This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. If you were one of 147 million people impacted by the 2017 Equifax data breach, you can now file a claim with the credit reporting company. That's because Equifax has reached a settlement with the U.S. government of up to $700 million. The settlement involves the Federal Trade Commission, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and most state attorneys general. It sets aside $425 million for those who had their information affected, with a $20,000 cap in place for individuals. But even if you were just using Equifax during the period in question, which, by the way, is September 7th, 2016 to September 7th, 2017, you still might be able to receive money back. With more on the settlement, the future of Equifax and how companies need to do a better job of protecting our data, we're joined here in studio by David Zaring, professor of legal studies and business ethics here at the Wharton School. And joining us on the phone, Lisa Cook, associate professor of economics and and international relations at Michigan State University. David, great to see you. It's great to be here. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for joining us again. Hi, Dan. Hi. So, Elisa, anyone involved or impacted here, it, it doesn't feel like, even though you have this large sum of money, how many people will get dollar-for-dollar dollar value on this settlement? I would think, as is typically the case, um, very few, because, um, you know, people will look at this and say, this is um, this is a big amorphous mass. It's ambiguous if I'm affected. There's a tool to figure out whether you're affected, but typically the claims don't come forward. So uh, so as easy as they seem to have made it, uh, there are typically uh, not many who who claim the um, the money that is owed them. But you know, I think that might be changing a little bit. Given the uh, backlash by the Democratic uh, senators uh, and given the mood in the country with respect to violations of privacy, that that might be changing. So I'm just uh, speaking uh, based on past histories of uh, such claims. So, David, I think the big question playing off of what Lisa said is, do we believe that maybe with the Equifax settlement and with what we know of Facebook now and and their settlement with the FTC, do these companies, are they finally really understanding the value of the customer data and why they need to do a better job of protecting it? Well, I agree with Lisa that what we really need is some congressional legislation, some federal privacy legislation that would set forth what we expect from these companies and um, hold them accountable for, you know, there are many failures in this area. Um, I would say uh, they've got that in the European Union. They still don't have it here. Um, But we are seeing... The penalties are getting much bigger. You know, uh, Facebook's $5 billion penalty dwarfs its last penalty. Um, This uh, up to $700 million settlement, I mean, if all 147 million customers took advantage of it, then they would be looking at a serious uh, hit to the the company's uh, revenues and uh, balance sheet. Um, And so... Uh, so we're seeing some growth, uh, but it's a growth that's being put together with a patchworks of regulations. Regulators don't always care as much about privacy until something truly terrible has happened. They don't punish uh, privacy violations systematically. Instead, um, they sort of seem sometimes like they're chasing the headlines or the disasters. Yeah. And so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if um, these companies will shape up. And I, I think that um, there's really a role to play for Congress here. Lisa? I would agree. I mean, 
it is um, it is striking that there hasn't been this intervention before. And think about the fundamental role that credit rating agencies play, whether they are for firms or for individuals. The role that we think of them as playing is taking um, information to make sure that debtors can repay and that this is a good investment for, uh, let's say, a bank, that uh, we're productive, that the financial system is productive. And if a fundamental, something that fundamental is being compromised, if we can't trust it, we can't have an economy that functions well. So I think this is a, a fundamental, besides the breach of privacy, just making markets work properly, making sure that people are able to buy and save as they need to and that businesses get funded as they need to, this has got to be uh, fixed. So there has to be some intervention that I think would be a government intervention, and I think there's a role for the CFPB. Dan, we've talked about this before. Uh, to protect and enhance the CFPB is, I think, critical. It's a big part of the settlement. Well, I would think, Lisa, that if you look historically at the United States, this period of time, I would imagine that that there is probably another period of time in the history of the United States where we have come up against some sort of of need to bring regulation forward. And, And I think it's important to note that, especially considering the reliance we have on digital these days and how important it is right now and how important it is going to continue to be moving forward for not only the people of the Amer- uh, of the United States, but uh, but of businesses as well. That's right. I mean, so cybersecurity problems are not going to go away. We, we actually learned that again yesterday from the, uh, the Mueller hearings that, you know, Russia's trying to hack our elections uh, as we speak. So, so cyber, that's cybersecurity in another realm, but cybersecurity problems are not going to go away. Right. So, yes, we need bigger fines. Um, we need more systematic enforcement. We need intervention by Congress to put this on the priority list. And uh, Dan, I, I hate to keep referring to past conversations we've had, but <laughs> I've talked about uh, the, the EU converging to the EU model. So they they have been much more proactive. The EU has been much more proactive about these uh, issues, about cybersecurity issues and privacy issues. And I think that we have to be much more vigilant. This problem is not going to go away. Think about the cities that have been held hostage because of cybersecurity breaches and the ransom they were asked to pay. Yeah. And they, they ultimately had to pay. If, if, if that's not a signal, government can't function. Government can't function if we do this. The markets can't function if we don't uh, do more with respect to legislation, if we allow uh, Equifax and others to continue to be bad actors. I mean, I think one of the ways you can see uh, the problem here, and I I agree with what Lisa is saying, is um, uh, Equifax and Experian, I guess that's the parent company, I think, um, uh, they – they were sued by the uh, Federal Trade Commission and the CFPB, or the settlement was reached. Those are the federal regulators. And the Trade Commission uh, regulates unfair and deceptive practices. It's become our chief privacy regulator, and it really hasn't been given any guidance by Congress as to what the privacy regulations um, right. uh, it, it uh, is, you know, what the privacy values it's supposed to protect should be. Right. And then on top of that, um, the CFPB and the FTC also um, uh, uh, dinged um, uh, 
Experian for violation of a portion of the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act, which said that financial institutions um, had to take safeguards to protect the private information of their clients. Now, ordinarily, that means banks. um, But it turns out that financial institutions is luckily enough to find broadly enough to reach somebody like Experian. And if that didn't happen, you know, you wonder what the basis for jurisdiction would be. It's it's a strange thing. Um, And luckily, this 1999 statute had this sort of throwaway safeguards rule that gave the FTC and the CFPB a way in uh, to um, do something about experience, real massive failure to um, keep uh, its uh, customer or actually non-customer in many cases records private. Well, and again, as we're moving forward here in our society, we're seeing more and more institutions that are having a financial component to them. So it becomes even more important to be able to have this kind of structure in place. When you think about some of the things that, you know, Facebook wants to get into mm-hmm. some sort of yeah. pay element to it. You, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. there, there are so many more of these companies that realize that this is a, that this has a financial benefit to their bottom line. Yeah, Amazon loans, Google Wallet, Facebook's Libra currency. Yeah. Yeah, you can see and, you know, we'll see if regulators sign off on all this. But you can see how non-bank companies are doing financial stuff. And that means they're going to accumulate a massive trove of financial data. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we need to figure out how we're going to protect it. And, uh, uh, you know, again, uh, that's something that Experian really failed at, I guess. Lisa? And you bring up a, a great point with respect to all of these uh, tech companies and fintech in general. What I would be worried about as a macroeconomist is what effect will this have on the financial system? What kind of risk will all of these individual components, um, what kind of risk will be introduced into the shadow banking system? And um, as Dave was saying, this really depends on what regulators sign off on. But um, I'm sure there's going to be tremendous pressure. Uh, You know, Facebook has some great lobbyists, uh, tremendous pressure to allow these digital currencies and uh, other financial components to go forward. Our ability to uh, see them, this, this, this part of the banking system, the shadow banking system, has become so large. We really have to figure out the risk management part of this uh, regulation. And it's not just risk management of the financial system. It's uh, internal risk management. Uh, certainly, six, six weeks uh, that this uh, breach went undetected, they really need much more risk management uh, monitors put in, put in place at Equifax. So I think that would be the legislative part, the regulatory part, but we certainly need to think more about uh, how the financial system might be compromised by any of these uh, efforts or a collection of these efforts going forward. So then, Lisa, let me th- throw a, a question to you, because this is a conversation I have had with with people that I know that are in the IT part of this, is that when that and this is going to that six week uh, comment that you made a second ago, that IT people say that they need a little time to be able to truly understand what happened and how it occurred. So how do you mix having to have that information moving forward as quickly as you can with the the needs that IT people have said to me of we need to have that time to be able to decipher the impact of, of a breach. So that's, I, I, I agree completely, but I think that there must be some sort of uniform standard, right? Not right. just, um, say, uh, six weeks seems like a, a very long time right. from uh, what I understand. 
Um, it, it, I think the is the appropriate amount two weeks. I don't know. I'm 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 not an expert, but certainly there should be some some minimum amount of time within which the breach has to be reported to the U.S. government, to yep. the FBI, uh, to the FTC, and uh, consumers have to be. Uh, uh, reported to. I mean, this is, I, I think that's way too much time. And, and then it puts others at risk. So so what if uh, Equifax is being uh, tested and then uh, moves over to the other, one of the other largest uh, agencies, uh, say uh, TransUnion? Um, you know, this is, that means it's not just 147 million people, you know, maybe 100 million more. Right. So, so I'm just saying that the, the intervention by uh, the federal government and the collective action of the state governments and uh, the CFPB uh, will need to be put in place going, going forward. Some sort of legislation has to be uh, put in place going forward. There has to be a uniform standard. I mean, one of the things that I saw as I looked at, you know, what Equifax did wrong, um, you know, three things jumped out at me as I read the complaint. The, the FTC filed the complaint on the day they filed the settlement. That's a thing that regulators often do. And there's an internal controls problem and uh, and then a data storage problem. And, you know, one of the consequences of both of those problems was a lot of people who weren't clients of Equifax got – um, drawn into this because the uh, company was, uh, you know, looking out and monitoring their credit. So, um, uh, so the the um, the client uh, the sort of internal controls problem was that you know the U.S. government told uh, told the company that there was a problem, and the company's security team pretty quickly told all its IT people that they ought to. Um, they ought to respond to the problem and they sent around an email and they tried to follow up and they didn't send it to the right guy and then they didn't follow up effectively. And so that's one of the reasons why this uh, insecurity lasted for as long as it did. Um, and then once there were uh, 10,000 attacks, I was told, once the um, or the complaint says uh, once the attacks came in, it turns out that um, the company was storing a lot of uh, uh, data on consumers, you and me, even people who hadn't interacted with um, uh, Equifax or Experian, you know, contested a credit report or whatever, and they'd store this as a plain text. Um, so no encryption, no nothing. That was really not up to code. And that made it easy for the attackers to get all this trove of information that they really wouldn't have been able to access. Um, and then, you know, the final problem uh, and I guess I've sort of said this is this wasn't a matter of somebody using the same password for all their websites and then, you know, one website gets hacked. So a lot of the people who were drawn up in this, you know, they hadn't asked Equifax for anything. They hadn't disputed. They hadn't asked for a credit report. Right. They were just being monitored by this private company. And then the private company collected all their data in one place and then lost it. And that that just seems, um, you know, that just seems really uh, unfortunate. I guess the the other part to this is also what does this mean for Equifax moving forward as a company, David, when you talk about the fact that they have to have better security protocols in place, they're obviously going to have to pay out uh, the money that they're going to be paying to uh, to individuals and to local and federal government agencies as well. Uh, what impact does this have on Equifax and throw in the fact that they're going to be providing uh, free credit reporting uh, for several times uh, a year for individuals over the next seven years as well. Right. Well, I mean, like I said, this could be a, a really huge um, 
blow to their balance sheet. But I, I agree with Lisa. Um, sometimes these settlements, uh, you know, there's a big final number and uh, the take up doesn't doesn't t- tend to end up being uh, anywhere near the 700 million that um, uh, it could be. And, and the reason is because this settlement requires people who want to take advantage of it to do some work. Uh, you can get free credit reports from Equifax and you can get six of those or uh, 12 in certain cases. So that's that's something that every U.S. citizen can benefit from. And that saves you seven to twelve dollars a go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you spent time cleaning up your credit because it was um, or cleaning up, uh, you know, something that was affected by this credit breach, then you can request compensation from Equifax at twenty five bucks an hour. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's a, that's, uh, all very nice. Um, but people have to do this stuff. So they have to ask for the credit reports. They have to, um, ask for the $25 an hour and document the time they spent putting up with this. And so I suspect that in the end, the, you know, the balance sheet hit that Equifax will take from the settlement won't be as big as all that. I also think um, that, uh, and sometimes this is really frustrating, um, Equifax plays, for good or bad, an important role in our society. Uh, Credit reports really matter. And it's a lot like the credit rating agencies who got everything wrong during the financial crisis. And people talked about reforming them. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need a government credit rating agency. Maybe we need to, you know, um, uh, create some competitors. So what's happened 10 years later? We have the same big three credit rating agencies. And I could see, you know, they talk about, will Facebook come up with a credit reporting approach of its own? Will there be competition in this space? Currently, there's really not that many places to go for a credit score. Um, uh, Equifax is one of the places that provides it. And, um, you know, that's a service that a lot of businesses want to take advantage of and a lot yeah. of people need. And so I'm not confident that um, uh, that the, the company is going to suffer too much given, given you know, their moat and their market position. Lisa? And if we're thinking about the IT firms that you mentioned, Dan, I'm not sure I would want Facebook and other such entities to be providers of my credit information. They know everything about me. And you want to have some ambiguity about, you don't want to be so transparent that uh, you'd never be able to to get credit. Um, Because there's some, you know, you, you want to make sure that the right things are being calculated. For example, when I was at the White House, we started uh, advocating for uh, electricity bills, um, uh, utility bills to be included in one's credit score. They weren't before that, but that gives a more consistent view of how uh, people actually spend their money uh, rather than everyone being subjected to that big shock during the financial crisis. So I think that there there need to be more measures like that, uh, more interaction with um, economists to think about what uh, what kinds of information convey the best information. Uh, but I think, um, you know, some, some, a company that follows you on social media and follows all of your uh, transactions, that might be perfect information, but it's the biggest invasion of privacy. Yeah, you worry that um, the alternatives to the credit reporting system we have, which is pretty janky, could be um, really uh, uh, disturbing because they'd evaluate right. uh, how how creditworthy you are based on who your friends are, the people you sort of spend time with or spend time with online. That's uh, that's a, right. a whole new and different sort of kettle of right. fish. And so in some ways, um, even though uh, people don't always like the credit rating system we have, um, it's uh, hard to sort of come up with. A, it's hard to reinvent that wheel. And so that, too, is is good for Equifax. 
And certainly in Congress, they think so, too. Right. I mean, given all of these breaches, you know, Yahoo, J.P. Morgan, uh, Anthem, um, there has been no agreement on Capitol Hill so far uh, about these uh, about these major breaches and what to do. So it's not just consumers who um, might be ossified in terms of uh, claiming their share of a settlement. Uh, Seems like it's been Congress in the past, too. Well, let me ask you this about the the actual settlement and and these caps that are put in place, Lisa, because the high end is $20,000. And while that seems like a lot at first, for some people that had their their data, their information impacted, I would think that $20,000 may very well be a low number in this. Right. And we're thinking about... You know, the, the value of um, housing in, in some areas, the uh, median value of, of a house and uh, a mortgage is compromised, for example, um, and uh, one defaults, that's certainly going to be uh, much more than uh, $20,000 in, in losses. And uh, there's a clause in there that says fairly traceable to the breach. And, you know, given all of the ways we... Um, interact with financial companies. Um, many, many ways are undetected to us, right. as we were saying. Um, would that meet the standard of, of fairly traceable? So $20,000 could be a, a drop in the bucket. Let's say student debt is compromised, and as large as uh, student debt uh, payments are, uh, or uh, student debt um, is for many families, $20,000 is going to be a drop in the bucket. Yeah, and yeah. you have to work hard to get that twenty thousand dollars too. Um, uh, right. You know, it's uh, it takes some some real documentation, and you sort of have to make a case. And um, I can see that uh, you know when you're faced with all that work uh, and a damage cap, uh, that's a disincentive for consumers. We talked right. we, we talked a lot about about what we expect that we are going to see from Capitol Hill. Obviously, there has been pressure on uh, tech platforms, Lisa, in, in the last few months. But let's go back for a second in terms of what the structure was for Equifax, which I think David kind of alluded to, uh, was not very good in terms of the policies in place that had been there to protect the data before this breach and, and the mistakes that were made along the way. Right. And this is certainly a risk management internal control problem and one of, of leadership. Uh, certainly, this seems to be human error. Uh, and uh, this, you know, you can have all of the structures in place that you want, but if if people aren't following the protocols or don't believe in the protocols, uh, that certainly needs to change, and it needs to change for the system. These these firms aren't that different, and they they have right. the entire market. They aren't that different. They're really large. They have no competition. So that to me. Uh, requires even more vigilance on behalf of the uh, federal government. And I'll just say one more thing. We were talking about how difficult it was going to be to get this money. The deadline for claims is January 22nd. And, you know, that's for a lot of people. People are on vacation right now, right? I mean, they're not even paying attention to how they do this. And then you have a deadline that is just a few months away. And then it says that uh, consumers can... Uh, appeal if uh, something happens after that. That is just putting much more burden, much more of the administrative burden on on consumers. And that turns out to be, you know, uh, Wells Fargo-esque, right, in terms of putting more burden on the uh, consumers and less 
on the uh, on the leadership. You know, I'll just. Um One of the things that uh, you hear financial institutions, banks doing is they increasingly think, well, maybe we need to have a cyber expert on the board. You know, we face cyber attacks. We've got to keep consumer information private. We're increasingly electronic businesses and we're moving into fintech. Maybe uh, uh, boards of financial institutions really need some sophisticated technologist um, Mm -hmm. in order to make the right kinds of decisions. And I think this case is only going to contribute to the tendency of businesses to see that as an important step going forward. Um, And, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting about this case also (laughs) is that the CFPB, which is, uh, you know, basically stopped bringing enforcement actions or it had stopped uh, during the the tenure of acting Chief Mulvaney, uh, they were involved in this case uh, to the tune of a $100 million fine. So, you know, even they who they don't want to, um, you know, overregulate business or anything, uh, even they thought that this was a, a breach too far. Gentlemen, or, gentlemen, David, thank you very much. Yeah. Lisa, thank you very much as well. Uh, great <laughs> having you. you very much. Thank you for your time today. Greatly appreciate your insight. Thank you. Thank you. David Zaring joining me here in studio from the Wharton School, Lisa Cook uh, from Michigan State University. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.